Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction 660. Science Faction, a new model of human evolution, and is ketamine BS? And that's uh, 660. Um... Six episodes from now on our 666th episode, we all know that the podcast Anomicon uh-huh. had predicted that when Science Faction, uh, if the governments did not unite to stop it from reaching its 666th episode, right. it would, of course, would summon the Antichrist and the Armageddon end of civilization. So we're getting close. and um, We're going to do it like a hotel treats a 13th floor. We're going to go 665, then we're going to go 667. The same way we skipped episode 4, because 4 could also be interpreted as 04, also known as uh, your win-loss ratio for every I Called BS episode. You always get, you get no hmm. right, 4 wrong huh. on like almost every single episode. That's why we skipped episode 4. Factually not true, well, you piece of it, shit. Well, it, like, it was a decade and you, and you ago, turned, you can't really you, prove anything, so. And, and once again, where you 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 turned a, a, for a, me warning the people, uh-huh. using my spiritual ability as a known medium to <laughs> warn the people, to make right with your friends and family, because you heard it here, Damien Mercado's putting all of his credibility on the line right here, uh-huh. uh, uh, the world's ending on our 666th episode. Now, you can try to cheat the devil. You can try to cheat sure. che- cheat the devil uh, and, and jump to 667. But but we'll see what happens, Bobby. Are you going to do what that one dude did where he rented out all those billboards to, to declare that the world was ending on, on whatever that day it was? I, I think it might have been 2012. But it, remember, do you remember that crazy radio guy who yes, like rented ab- out absolutely. A, a nation's worth of billboards to tell everybody how the world was going to end? And then when it didn't, he was like, ah, I just did the math wrong. Honestly, he was the inspiration behind that joke and rant. Uh, he was, I remembered, yeah, I remembered seeing it on buses. I was like, wow, imagine having that much fucking money, yeah. seeing that much homelessness all around you, but you're like, fuck it. I'm, I'm that fucking ballsy yes. and confident that I can call the end of the world and then have the balls to come out the next day and be like, yeah, well, uh, I didn't carry the one. Every time, every time I read about or see one of those guys in history or in modern times or whatever, I always think the same thing, which is like, they need a more critical wife. Like the only way you get to that <laughs> level is to have a yes man as a partner. Like you have to have somebody that's like, yeah, hon, you're like, anytime you say something, you're like, purple's the best color. And they're like, yeah, let's destroy other colors. Like you have too much support in the household and it is reflected in your overconfidence, sir. You bought out a nation's worth of billboards because one day you woke up with a shitty dream. But of course this is bound to happen because like any woman worth a damn sure. would, would like say, be, go on their first date with this guy and be like, fuck no, this, I don't live in a country where there's like uh, uh where I'm forced to marry somebody. So fuck no. <laughs> and they're done. So of course, if these guys ever meet somebody, it's going to be the, the biggest, like the most traumatized. Yes. Man of a wife. Yes. Uh, the, the the cult the or, or somebody in their cult that they've decided to betroth. Oh, and speaking of the betrothed of this show, I of course am your host, comedian archaeologist uh, Robert Timothy. With me, as always, my comedian, Mister Damian Ricardo. Damian, how are you doing this afternoon? When you when you called yourself the betrothed to the show, I'm assuming you're referring to your wife. 
But then you're also implying that I'm not married, which says that you might know something that I don't. Do I need to go? Do I need oh. to take a break and go talk to somebody? No, I meant or like I was betrothed to science and the, the enterprise of oh. discovery. Okay, but yet you perverted that, like mm. uh, like how Darth Vader just wanted to bring order to the universe. But you, but you, but but th- through what you do to me, and I call BS in your fucking real life Milgram experiment, in your terrible Stanford prison experiment. He just wanted to be able to save Padme, <laughs> and she died because she was sad, despite the fact that like Darth Vader was dipped in lava, and he and that oh. motherfucker came out on live. Oh, dear. And if you guys want to be dipped in lava, go ahead and check out our Patreon. You can search Robert Timothy on Patreon for a whole other episode of Science Faction every single week. But for now, let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is Science Articles. Oh, yeah. uh, Are you... um... Science fan sixty nine four twenty, um, yes, I'm Damien and Bob. We're Damien and I'm he's Bobby, and we're here to dip you in lava. By the way, thank you for the subscription to Patreon. You know what's funny? Uh, in terms of like torture that you voluntarily give yourself, would you say dipped in lava? I would rather be dipped in lava than have like multiple conversations that I'm forced to have on a regular basis. And I realized it, it was a shining example this weekend. I, I completely cut off doing live comedy at the beginning of COVID. I didn't want to be responsible for any gatherings or any things. I didn't want to get sick the whole nine yards. And as stuff is finally starting to open up. I'm starting to go out and do things, and uh, I recently just did a, an event for my kid's school over the weekend. It was like a fundraiser, and I d- agreed to MC it. And you can tell where you are in like the field of live entertainment based on how you react when you do something like that and somebody comes up to compliment you. Like I got a lot of people who came up after the event was like, wow, you should try stand-up comedy. And if that would have happened three years in, I would have done the, well, actually, you know, I've actually done, done quite a bit of comedy. I just did some tours and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And uh, now, now you have the appropriate amount of shame. Yeah, yeah. No, now instead I go, oh, okay, really? Yeah, sweet. Thank you. That's a great comedy. I even had one guy come up who was it was great baiting because he was like, you should really do stand up comedy. My cousin does it, uh, does a lot of stand up. And I think he could really help you. And I was like, all right, okay, what's your cousin's name? Because I'm going to know them if they're in the San Diego comedy community. And I was like, oh, really? What's your cousin's name? And he gave me some name I had never heard of. And so I was just like, oh, okay. And he goes, yeah, uh, they're in Pennsylvania, but I'm sure they can help. (laughs) The fuck are you? Get away from me, sir. And when, and Get it's, away. It was funny because as it was happening, uh, I just remember thinking to myself, like, I would I would rather, at that point, I thought, get my skin ripped off. But dipped in lava is a good way to, to think about it, too. I'd rather be dipped in lava and have my skin ripped off than have the conversation which each one of these people of, no, I actually <laughs> I actually do. Because then it leads to a bunch of, oh, yeah, well, you know, where, where do we see it? Where is this? Let me look you up. Like, all of the stuff that I just am going to be incredibly uncomfortable with. And that shows the maturation of a person, because a decade ago, I would have stupidly been proud of it. Yeah, I mean now you now you're confident to know like yeah I know I can talk I get it yeah like, this was you're an easy crowd you guys you guys were a fucking ch- like I I'm embarrassed that I didn't do better with you yes. with you fucking rubes yes like- <laughs> yeah you, I'm like you have no idea I once literally went on stage in a racist East County bar right after a racist East County patron yelled the N word at the host. 
He, uh, to fans who don't know, East County is um, derisive. It is, it is, it is not the preferred county. Uh, if, we're, if, we're, if we're going directions, very rural. Yeah, like it's more like like uh, San Diego. It's like you're, you're it's the Mordor yes. of uh, the Middle Earth of San Diego. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> anyhow, I, I know what you're talking about. I recently did my uh, well, kind of, I, I, but I recently did my uh, my sister's wedding. I was um, I officiated it, and of course, I knocked it out of the park sure. because, of course, my failed comedy yeah. career is your benefit because this is this is nothing. You people, I don't give. You guys are friends and family. I don't give a fuck what any one of you think. Yeah. I, I could piss on stage, and you guys would fucking laugh. Eat my ass. I'm gonna jingle my keys and in front I of said, you. I, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Fuck off. <laughs> Damn, that was the ceremony. And it killed. And it fucking killed. <laughs> so, oh dear. Article number one: a new model of human evolution, <laughs> kind of. Uh, a new model of human evolution. Does that mean like, uh, like the 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 classic diagram of the uh, of the uh, uh, different apes trans or, or right. hominids transitioning into right. into Homo sapien, which is like a hundred years out of date. Or the, the model? Yes, that hundred year out of date model. That was never never accurate to any degree of scientific information present. Yes, that that has also changed. Uh, you're a century behind on that one. <laughs> oh, oh, thank goodness. Okay, let me pull out the old notepad. All right, Bobby, let's see. What can I catch up on? So this is a really interesting article. Fuck you. It's still in classrooms. You my ass. Like, it's not my fault public education's behind. <laughs> Technically inappropriate underage re- sexual relationships are, are still in classrooms. It doesn't mean that they're right. That never happened to me. Tell them it's like the donkey show from Tijuana. Like, that's, I want to go back in time. Yeah, I know it's a hot button issue, and I know the I know like the, the women who do that are sex predators. Sure. But if you're telling me that like 13 year old Damon would have given a fuck about any yes. of that, no, he would have he would have came in his pants the moment she put her hand on his. That's what it would happen. <laughs> like a gentleman. Uh, yeah, so oh, Laven. this is a really interesting, uh, this is a very interesting ancient human genetics paper out of UC Davis published in nature. That's really, it's, it's, it's actually really interesting. Some of it is in my opinion, a little bit of a no duh, but the specifics of it are actually quite intriguing. So the paper looked at a wide variety of modern African individuals and some ancient DNA as well. And they used some advanced computer models to assess what was most likely to have led to modern humans. And in this case, they looked a lot at a group called the Nama, which is a, a group of the Kosan people in Southern Africa. You know, you might, you might know them kind of colloquially as those with that clicking language. And ah. This is one. Of, is, are they the is the clicking language exclusive to these this tribe? It's not a single tribe. No, it's a wide variety of people that are down there as part of the Kosan group. There are many different individual groups there, but yeah, the clicking language itself is unique to them. And we've known for a long time that they're one of the most genetically divergent populations of human beings. And we've talked before about how the most genetic diversity on Earth is in Africa and Southern Africans, specifically those that are in groups like this, are very different from Bantu groups in East, West, and Northern Africa. So yes. Uh, These are a group that we already knew to be genetically pretty distinct from other groups, which is one of the reasons we kind of wanted to look at them, especially, especially because previous models looked more at West Africans and didn't have a, a, a whole continent wide look. And what they what they realized when they looked at these groups is. One is they took all this genetic data and put it into a very advanced computer model, which we did not really have access to for a long time. So it's one of the reasons that, you know, these computer models mixed in with modern day genetic research are really going to give us the story of what where human beings came from. And in, in doing that, what seems to arise is that instead of looking at 
evolution as Homo sapiens arising in one specific location. There was probably multiple locations throughout Africa in which the evolution of species before us, Heidelbergensis, whatever you want to call it, uh, Rhodesiensis in certain parts, the evolution of those groups, of, of those individual hominids happened around Africa. Not necessarily like multi-regionalism, more like a co-evolution in which dis genetically distinct groups that are kind of separated, they're weakly connected, they interact change DNA a little bit, but in general are kind of on their own genetic trajectory, would occasionally intermingle with each other. And the result is eventually the group that became modern humans was the product of this intermingling of multiple different groups that were genetically distinct enough that they were isolated from one another for long periods of time, but individuals would come and intermingle, uh, and then the, the isolation would occur again. Right now, we think at least some of the isolation that the that Kosan group, the, the Nama, have experienced were up to 100-some-odd thousand years. They had been separated, but the, the intermingling we're talking about is going on about a million years ago, where essentially instead of one single stem, you have maybe like multiple stems that kind of intertwine with each other. So you have a group that, let's say, might be in parts of South Africa, and they are weakly you know, mating maybe every once in a while with another group that is in maybe coastal Western Africa. And as those groups grow as separate stems, Boy, my legs tired. <laughs> they occasionally come together and mix and then go back apart again. Now, this was all really interesting. There's some interesting implications of this computer model and everything. I was not necessarily super surprised by this because of a few things. One is in terms of modern Homo sapiens, in terms of what we would now call our own species, we used to think the oldest examples were 180,000 years old, the Omo fossils, uh, that's in East Africa, until a few years ago, as we covered on this show, we found something that was almost twice as old, 300,000 years old in Northern Africa, in Morocco. And that became the oldest one. And that doesn't necessarily fit with a single origin hypothesis. It fits more with the idea that there was a whole bunch of different groups running around at that time that were interbreeding. Now, the difference is they're not saying any of these were morphologically very distinct. These aren't like crazy different species. These are just kind of isolated groups of the same species that are constantly interbreeding. And one of the, the kind of things that came out of this computer analyzation of all this DNA is this might actually account for things we've described previously on this show from genetic tests as quote-unquote ghost lineages, which look like an inbreeding event from another distantly related species coming in and, and adding some genetics to human beings. It might actually be that there is no ghost lineage. What we're seeing is actually better explained by that kind of uh, dual stems idea, that intertwining stems of different groups arising in different, or different groups kind of uh, around in different places with weak interactions that somehow come together at certain points and, and meld together and go back apart. And that was probably happening throughout Africa. That was probably happening around the around the entire continent or at least sub-Saharan Africa and the parts where the Sahara was around because we see that spread from Morocco through East Africa. We see people arriving in South Africa and, and, and there was likely a large population of hominids because again, this is where hominids came from. And so it makes sense that there would be a bunch of different kind of distant groups that had gone off and been separated for long periods of time and occasionally came together. And there's some Lothario ancient human guy who's walking around and he's fucking all of them. He's spreading some genes and, you know, like that happens every once Johnny in a while. Johnny Cumtree. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Everybody remembers Johnny Cumtree. I swear, every time I read ancient genetic studies, I always imagine a very 
well-funded, high-budget, paleolithic-based porno where it's a dude, he's traveling through time. Oh, now he meets a Denisovan. You know, like, like, (laughs) and he comes to, like, show them the way of homo sapien lovemaking. I mean, that's the closest that's like a, like, because you describe, like, like the proportions would be different at Denisovan and everything. You've described it as dungeon, you've described Dungeon and Dragons porn. Because you've said the world of Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Dungeons Rings. and Dragons, yeah. you know, yeah. used to used to be like the same species, same species, same core species yeah, yeah, involved. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a little more flavor because uh, it's not a pussy ass low magic realm like Middle Earth, right? You know, it has magic cranked up to eleven. I just think it. I one, I think that would be a great way to teach you know human paleoanthropology to young young people is how better i for a long time i've advocated pornography based education like i think you could do so much with a with a, okay let's teach math your quote right there is going to be like this is how our podcast blows up like like uh, ben shapiro is like look at this 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 liberal science podcast is trying to indoctrinate children trying to groom children with sex I wish Sean Hannity, if but, they, but he's, it doesn't matter. If they, I mean, you can think of a math problem. Like, if there are five million people in metropolitan area of Dallas, and half of those are men, and Debbie has encountered two million penises, how many more penises must Debbie encounter before she can do all of Dallas? Hold on, wait. Hold on, I know this. I learned this in penis dip, long division. <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Um, hold on, no, no. No, you, I believe in, in my version it's called hard division. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, but you have to have something for the ladies, and I think you maybe like a musical, musical math. Yeah. Or something like That's right. three twists and one spin. And <laughs> You know what? We live in a modern age, and I think the women are coming to their own sexuality, and we'll just, you know, we'll gear those more towards, you know, like a female porn bent, but I, I think they can participate as well. Yes. Female porn is is not certainly not the Brazzers you're sure. going to see. No, no, that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, 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 there's a lot of uh, female porn brands, and I enjoy it because I feel loved. It feels yeah. like, you know, it's, it's you know, the, the, you feel the emotional connection that's there. For those of and, you, uh, for those of you listeners who are either women or liars, Brazzers is a porn site, uh, <laughs> is a hardcore porn it's site. It's not a reality case. No, it's no. Not, you're, <laughs> it's a hardcore porn site uh, that, that uh, I don't know, it's, a, it's, a, it could be a little edgy sometimes. And, and my favorite thing is I was once driving and saw a Honda Civic in front of me that had a Brazzers license plate holder. And I was like. Who are you advertising to? Like, what? what's your goal? What's the end game? Like, are you hoping somebody's driving and sees this and they're like, wow, that guy loves to jerk off. I should fuck him. Like, what's what do you think is going to happen? Dude, yeah, I was I was behind. I took a picture and I sent it to uh to our to our friend group, and yes, I, I there was a guy who it was he was he was driving like a like a like a a vintage Civic. Right, he took good care of his Civic, <laughs> right? But across a big across big had to have at least not been legal, but over his back window had the Brazzers logo, oh. and I was like, who? And I, yes, like like are you? What are you saying? Are you saying a lot of fucking goes on in that small small car? Like, what do you? Is, are you? <laughs> well, see that guy, I almost have more respect for though. Because we're talking about different people, and that guy, he's just advertising or something. I don't know. He's on his own thing. This is just a regular, like, could be driving to pick up the kids from soccer practice civic no. who casually has it just as the license plate holder. I almost think it was a prank. Like, he doesn't know what that is. What some of his buddies put it on his car, and he never noticed. No, no, we're talking about like, like your guy is the low. Your guy is like trying to sneak in. Like, yeah, I masturbate. I love, I love. But what 
are you uh, planning love- to? <laughs> <laughs> what is your flex here? I don't know. It's too. Is I would love to see his peer group that this is cool in. Yeah, I think that it's it has to be the gym tan laundry guys, right? Or like the the guys who are like uh, maybe this is a new sect of Mormonism. Like, yeah, premarital sex sucks, but like I'm totally down with the Brazzers. <laughs> I think I think it'd be great if it was like the Jim Tam laundry guy, but like the dudes who didn't get out as much, and it was like uh, like the 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 jerk off sunscreen and sleep guys. Like that, <laughs> they were real big in the stuck thing during that fad. <laughs> yeah, that's like that's, true. that's the level of realism you're getting from that pornography. If no. that makes any sense, no, no. But I'm I'm sorry. This is a pornography review podcast, right? <laughs> Now, this is a learning using uh, pornography to help teach children better. All right, on to article number two. <laughs> Ketamine no better at alleviating depression than placebo. Maybe. I, you sent me this, and I just was like, "You fuck you, God!" Like, like I, you're 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 you you claim to be Mister Science, so I'm gonna give I'm gonna I'm gonna give, I'm gonna box your ears here, Bobby. Okay. Let me tell you what. Uh-huh. Um, you guys need to fucking make up your mind <laughs> about ketamine. Uh, uh, about ketamine, about a lot of things, whether it's good or not. You know, we 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 talk a lot. I'll go out. I. I was, I'm glad I didn't take the ketamine. Now, my buddy, when I was really depressed, my buddy came over and offered me some ketamine. I don't think he knew I was depressed. I just think it's he just, he's just he insane. He thought I was lame. <laughs> yeah. And I said no. And I really regretted it. I was like, man, what if that did like cure my sure. depression? I just was like, man, I don't want to snort something. That sounds terrible. Yeah. Like <laughs> well, also, I think that it's... I don't know that what they're talking about is people... Because we talked a bunch about a bunch of stories about ketamine being a major alleviator of treatment-resistant depression for people who've had, you know, long bouts of depression that can't be treated with From other depressants. From one use, we reported. From one use, it had substantial... That's yes. what we reported that. And I was... But, the, but those were also I, under medical conditions and stuff. It was not just a dude handing you a pill, which, by the way, might not have even been ketamine. It might have been like 8% ketamine and 15% fentanyl and you wouldn't have even known that's why you do it as a fucking line bobby like a man you don't take it as a pill you fucking puss <laughs> but uh we've recorded a bunch on on you know the treatment resi- about treatment resistant depression being very susceptible su- seemingly to certain ketamine treatments and how a lot of people seem to have found a lot of relief from it and then there are other stories uh, that you know maybe it's not as effective and so they want to do a placebo controlled trial and this is the story of a placebo controlled trial now damien Given the psychotropic effects of ketamine, could you imagine a research design? Like, how would you do a placebo-controlled trial where you gave somebody ketamine and you gave somebody else not ketamine and you told them both it was ketamine and you convinced them it was true? Like, how would you do that given the effects of ketamine? Have them both drive. The one who arrived at their destination uh, was given the control. And, um, or maybe, no, no, but what I'm saying is how do you, so how do you blind this? How do you make them think they've got ketamine if they didn't get it? Because you know, like you, there is a very serious effect to your body. If you have been given this amount of ketamine, you give them ecstasy, you give them like another drug. That's, I mean, like really, like you give them like, like, you you wouldn't know if it's the, the, if the ecstasy was having a similar effect. No, 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 no. Okay, you give them something like cocaine, something that has an opposite effect of ketamine. If ketamine like metals you out, you give them something like if they do, if like the people who start pitching restaurants, like that's mm-hmm. those are the people who got the control. Uh, well, their their idea was kind of interesting. They decided to give it to some people under general anesthesia. 
So they went with, which by the way, sounds like a waste of ketamine, but uh, they went with a bunch of people who had treatment resistant depression who were also going to have surgery. They weren't just going to put them under for this. These were people who were already going to have uh, a surgery and they gave them the ketamine as they were going to sleep so that they couldn't tell the psychotropic effects of the ketamine. So this really interesting study and interesting way they did, they did it is, you know, how do you, how do you blind for something that's really psychoactive and you can tell if you had it? Well, you give it to them while they're asleep, so they can't necessarily tell they they didn't have that experience. Now, you might think they woke up and nobody had any effects. Actually, they all everybody in both groups showed like fifteen percent seeming relief of symptoms, and so seemingly had some effect, placebo effect on overall depression. They seemed to show lessening of depression. By the way, there is also some studies that show anesthesia by itself can have a short-term alleviation of some depression symptoms. So that might be a complicating factor. But because you're dumber, because your brain has been damaged, right. and so like 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 in the same way that like uh, a person person who has a TVI yes. um, has is just you know a lot of times they're angrier yeah. but in theory like they're they're uh they should be happier because they're they're less they're more forced gump like yeah it's the way it's the and, reason a 3 year old is the happiest thing on earth is because yeah. they don't know anything yeah, yeah. well it, yeah, it's yeah. so it's yes uh, <laughs> it, it could be that or it could be that there is <laughs> some kind of neurological break that calms the brain down and then it restarts in some way that's a little, that you know staves the depression off a little bit regardless the, the the control group and the activation group seem to show the same amount now a couple of caveats this is a small end number study as you would expect because they're giving people ketamine as they're going under and you already have to have people in depression before that. So a whole bunch of uh, setups that aren't always able to easy to find. So <laughs> these are small end number studies. So you take that with a grain of salt. But the other thing is it might be the actual process of going through a ketamine experience that helps alleviate a lot of that depression. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, if, like just so you had, took shrooms and then sure. just went to sleep. Yeah. Like, uh, it wouldn't be the same. No, and it you wouldn't, wouldn't be, get it the would therapeutic. Do, it would do almost certainly nothing for you. And that's how a lot of these psychedelic experiences are. It's the experience itself. It's not necessarily the pharmacology of what goes on in your body afterwards. You're not, like, turning off a switch necessarily. But having these experiences of happiness, of relief of symptoms and stuff can show you what life is like outside of the day-to-day -day depression you have kind of grown to expect life to be. And therefore, you can you know, kind of work your way out or at least alleviate some of the symptoms just based on the experience, similar to, you know, how maybe a really fun birthday party or something might alleviate some depression experiences as well. You can't just give somebody a fun birthday party while they're under general anesthesia and expect it to work. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, might be a good... If you ever forget your wife's birthday, <laughs> just tell her she's in a scientific... She's in a double-blind controlled study to see how birthday parties... <laughs> affect yourself and you actually threw her the best fucking birthday ever all her friends showed up you gave her great gifts and everything she was just under general anesthesia for it and then photoshopped some pictures that's the easy way out of uh of forgetting the birthday party how's your uh, divorce going bob <laughs> welcome to the club i'll throw you a divorce party it's like a, it's like a bachelor's party but it's fucking real it's much better than a bachelor party is <laughs> the divorce party uh dear I, I am interested to see what goes on because there actually is a lot of conflicting info that's going back and forth with ketamine. It certainly does seem to be effective for some subset of people. 
I think what's really important now is for us to sort out who that works for and who it doesn't. Because it seems like some people it really works for. There's people who have super treatment resistant depression. They have tried everything. They are, you know, in a really, really bad spot. And ketamine seems to be a magic key for some of those people. And other people seem to have depression and then they try it. It doesn't do anything for them. And they feel even worse because they're like, oh, shit, that was supposed to make me feel better. And it doesn't. And I think if you can find a way to predict ahead of time, maybe certain neurobiology, certain neurochemistry, the origins of certain types of depression. Maybe if you could figure that out ahead of time and kind of target it towards those for whom it's highly effective so that you don't, you know, compound the problems that already depressed people have, but you give this really amazing tool to those people who it seems to work really well for. I think that's going to be a really important part of future, you know, depression treatments. I just hope we kind of like figure out what the fuck is going on. Yeah, we're going to need to figure depression out because, uh, uh, I think all the uh, the crises uh, uh, with uh, climate change and everything, as as those pick up and and the reality starts setting a little more, I'm willing sure. to bet there's going to be a bit more need for psychiatric care. Sure. Uh, people talking to a counselor. Yeah, absolutely. Not to mention, you know, like just general day to day stuff that gets amplified, and you know, who knows how it works with things like you know, unemployment. My clothes caught on fire yes. in August, <laughs> and so I have third degree burns. <laughs> But hey, I get to boil my food in the ocean now, and that saves a ton of money on on heating costs. Uh, very, very true. That, see, that's the important thing you do. You just you shift the frame. You look at things in a slightly different way, and then all of a sudden, the thing that used to make you sad can make you happy. It's all about how you do. Like, uh, uh, here's a good one. Like ten years ago or, or eleven years ago, there's two ways to interpret this event. One is that the United States Navy tried desperately to kill me about 11 years ago. They, they, they tried desperately to kill me. They ended up killing an innocent family while trying to kill me <laughs> and crashing a multi-million dollar jet. Right? And I could have looked at the world that way, which is a technically true statement. Really? Is it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> they tried, they tried, it technically tried te to kill you. They did. They they tried desperately to kill me. They tried so hard they ended up killing an innocent family. <laughs> now that's technically true, uh, but it's how I frame the facts of the matter. Because in fact, what actually happened was I was a young archaeologist. I was doing water screening of dirt uh, at a local dump because they put all of our dirt from a, an archaeology site there. And I was literally sitting there eight eight hours a day just water pushing water over dirt or, or on screens pulling artifacts out of all this dirt and at the time a u.s navy jet was out over the ocean and lost an engine and they were trying to come back in to the base that i was right next to i was right next to a naval air base and they were trying to come in and they lost the other engine and his crash zone was the area where i was doing water screening so he was trying desperately to make it to his crash zone he did not make it he ended up crashing in like a claremont area neighborhood and killing a family on accident now look he was trying to kill me. He was desperately trying to get that plane to its crash zone, which is exactly where I was standing, just shooting a fucking cold-ass hose over, over artifact-laden dirt the entire time. However, it's how you frame it. What if, like a like a thing, like he was like a, he was trying to pull the jet, then all of a sudden he saw at the crash site there was a person there, and he's like, <laughs> no! uh, and it kind of was like your thing, like like you just kind of jerk the wheel, and you hope for the best. Yeah, and he wasn't trying to to hit that family. He was like, damn it, there's supposed to be nobody in this site, <laughs> and then he put, jerked the wheel. 
Did you ever think that you killed him? Did you ever think that well, maybe no, he survived? He ejected. He survived. It was the family whose house he crashed into who 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 died, and it was like a really sad story too. Like the dad, I think he like ran out to the store to go get milk, and it was like the mom and two very young children or something. And he came back to a fucking F eighteen crash in the middle of the house. But uh, it's how you frame the events. I could look at it for the past ten years. I could have bitterly been like, "Not no, you Navy tried to murder me, you bastards." Which which could be a technically accurate framing of, of what had happened. And instead, I just feel really bad for that family and lucky that he did not end up crashing his plane into me. I think that dad made an enemy, uh, made a power, uh, or declared you as his mortal enemy that day. Could uh, <laughs> you force the pilot to, to, uh, to, to not aim for the, uh, for the field, uh, for the, uh, the crash site? Uh, dear, thank you, audience, for coming back to Science Section 660, where you learned all about a new model of human evolution and how ketamine might or might not be no better at alleviating depression than placebo. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction 661. Yeah, this Brazzers logo on my car was a real curse, guys. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it. Last night, uh, I locked my keys in my car, so I had to uh, break in through the window, and I got stuck getting in, and... My stepmom saw it, and she had her way with me. It wasn't as cool as I thought it was going to be. It was even cooler. You've been listening to Science Function. Wait, that's not right.